Uh, we're in a sermon series called uh, Transitions for Growth. And uh, we're winding it down, I, I think, next week. Let's see, two weeks is Easter, so we'll have a, a different, we'll have an Easter sermon on Easter. Greatest comeback. We're talking about the greatest comeback in history. It's going to be awesome. And um, the time will change at 10 o'clock that day. And I'm planning on, uh, if, if we're going like we're leading, to start teaching through the book of James after that. So we'll have one more series, one more sermon here next week. That's Palm Sunday. So it'll be something on praise and worship and uh, how that tra- is part of the transitioning uh, in our life as we're part of the change process for us. But this week, um, I found a picture of what transition looks like. Can we show that? I know it's a little fuzzy. I know the picture is a little fuzzy. But this person right here, the one on your, what is this, left, they're in transition. See, a, a trapeze, you know, it has a bar you're hanging on to for dear life. And it has another person on the other side that's, that says, I'll catch you uh, if you let go. And uh, that in-between space is, is called transition. And I'm telling you, the, the next phase in your journey and your growth and your moving forward in, in God will, use, will probably require you to let go of a safety bar that you're holding on to. See, transition can be a place of fear, uncertainty, disorientation. Which way is up? You ever feel that way? Yeah. Am I the only one? Uh, it's a place, listen, where you're letting go of the past, but the future hasn't arrived yet. You're in the middle. There's what was, that's what will be, or it can be, and here you are, ah, in transition. You're in between. Now listen, the devil usually shows up in the place of transition. When David was announced that David was going to be anointed king over Israel, the enemy came against him. Transition. Change. The enemy fights it. And he then encourages you to hang on. Don't let go of that, but hang on to the past. He'll deceive you into believing that if you let go of that, you're going to fall, you're going to crash, you're going to burn. But you've got to let go and enter into that transition zone or you will never grow or never move forward in life. You'll just stay stuck where you are. Listen, and that transition place is not a place where nothing is happening. This is a place where faith is released. Faith is not released hanging onto the bar. You can say, oh, I believe. I, I believe I can make it across there. I believe I can do it. But you, you don't exercise faith until you let go of that bar. Faith, transition is a place where faith is released. That's the place where, where growth happens. It's the place where you let go of control and you totally place your faith in God to catch you on the other side of transition. I don't know if trapeze artists ever totally get over the fear of letting go. I don't know. Maybe they do. But I know when they start out and they're just learning, it's a fearful thing. At first, and that, that fear may not go away. But, but I think it's overcome when you understand that you're able to trust the person who's going to catch you. 
And it's the same for us in times of transition. It may be a fearful, disoriented, tough time. It may feel like you've got nothing to hang on to. And, and you just everything you've had is like, where is it? And I'm, I'm just flying out here alone. But that's where faith grows. And that's where God will catch you. Now, as I was thinking about this, I prayed, Lord, what, what, I got the, I got the, the picture, I just saw that picture before I got the message, and I was like, Lord, what, what, what sermon, what, what Bible story can I use to, to teach about this, and, and immediately came to me about Peter walking on water. And so I'm preaching today a, me- a message entitled, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. And, and think about it, you got to. Think about Peter, transition, he's in the boat, I'll read the story in a minute, and he walked, he stepped off out of the boat, listen, not into the water. (laughs) Most people step off a boat into the water. Peter stepped off, off a boat onto the water. And that space between the safety of the boat and the stability of the water was this transition place of faith. Faith was released. And, and by the way, as I teach on this, uh, th- there's a great book out by um, John Ortberg with this very same title, and it really impacted our lives at the, the start of the, our, this church. That book came out about this, that time, and it was really impactful to us, and I really highly recommend you read it. But I want to read the passage to you from Matthew 14, 22 through 33. You can turn in your Bibles. The, the passage will always be up on the screen. It says immediately, and this was immediately after feeding the 5,000, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, made them. See that? He made them get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but a boat was al- the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus went out, out to them, walking on the water. When, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, <laughs> tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, crying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him. They got a revelation of him different from anything they ever had. And when you get a revelation of Jesus, you're, you're really your only rightful response is to worship him. And they said, truly, you are the son of God. Several things I want you to see from this story today. Number one, sometimes obeying Jesus will send you into a storm. You've got to have discernment about storms. I'm talking about storms in life. Because some storms just happen, and some storms are the result of other people's actions. Some storms are the result of our own sin. You think of the storm Jonah was in because of his own sin and, and, and because he was running from God. But other people got into that storm because of Jonah too. But these disciples got into wind and waves and storm because they obeyed Jesus. 
They were right in the middle of his will. And Jesus never promised us a storm-free life. But he did promise to be with us in the storms of life. You see, sometimes God delivers delivers us from tough times. Sometimes he takes us through the tough times. And the growth usually happens when he takes us through. And we cannot allow ourselves to turn on God or to think that he is not good when we go through tough times. God is good when he delivers from the storm. And God is still just as good when he takes us through the storm. Think about it. God did not deliver David from Goliath. He strengthened David to go to the battle and fight that giant. God did not deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fire. He took them through the fire, and he walked with them in the fire. God did not deliver Noah from the flood. He took him through the flood. And there are times God allows us to go through flood and through fire. But the truth is he will be with us, and we will not drown, and the fire will not burn us. We have the promise of God from Isaiah 43, Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. That's the promise of God. Tough times come, but people with tough faith believe that God will get me through it. And these disciples, if you think about it, they feared needlessly. Because they did not believe the word of Jesus. If they had thought for a moment, they would have remembered Jesus said, Go ahead of me to the other side. Made him get in the boat and said, Go on ahead of me, meet you on the other side. He didn't say, Go out in the middle of this lake and drown. Jesus was in the very same storm they were in, but he was not afraid of the storm. Why? He knew his purpose. He knew his death was going to take place on a cross, not on a boat. So he had peace in the midst of the storm. And by the way, Jesus did not steal the storm or stop it before Peter got out of the boat. Like, Lord, could you, could you calm down these waves just a, a little bit before I get out? Didn't do it. Listen. So many people are waiting for perfect conditions before they do anything for God. They put off their obedience to some later time. Oh, after I finish school, well, after I get married, well, now after my kids are raised, well, after I get out of debt, I mean, after this, after this, after this, I've seen people do that their whole life, and now there's 80 years old and never did what God wanted them to do. Those perfect conditions, listen, that you're waiting on will never happen. It's like you're waiting for the stars to align and the sun to shine, the little birds to tweet around your head, and angels go, and you're like, this is it. No. If God says go, you go. Even if the wind is blowing, the waves are rocking the boat, you go. But people are afraid so many times, and it's because of this. Number two, the boat represents your comfort zone. Your boat represents whatever is safe and secure to you, apart from God. It's the trapeze bar you don't want to let go of. And your fears reveals what your boat is. Your boat can be a career that you don't really like, but you're afraid to make a change because, well, this is what I've always done. Your boat can be a destructive relationship that you can't quit because you're afraid of being alone. By the way, don't keep making the same mistake 
just because you spent a long time making it. That just came to me. I don't know who needs to hear that, but there it is. Your boat can be a secret addiction that you want to quit, but you're afraid to admit you need help. Your, your, your fear will, will reveal your boat, but if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of your boat. When we were praying about starting this church, I, I, I got so many different, I was so fearful about it and got so many, God spoke to me. I did a sermon on this once. I think it was 12 different ways God spoke to me. Uh, I put out fleeces. I did everything. I, put, I mean, uh, to, 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 to start this church. And, and through it, God showed me uh, uh, the boat I was afraid of getting out of. I wanted to pastor again. I just didn't want to start a new church again. We had done a, uh, started a church before that died a long, slow, painful death. And, and so uh, uh, but I, I, I wanted to pastor again, but not start something again. It's hard starting anything. It's hard. I mean, it's very hard. But God used a lot of different things. God used the people on this front row. I just thought about this. Uh, he was my wife in a big way. Because like I was like, yeah, I want to pastor, but I, I just don't want, I don't want to start a new church. And we were, uh, even after we determined we would do this, we're going to do it. You you guys will remember this: that Wayne Canyon came and said, "Well, we got this church over in Arlington, and we would love somebody to come over and take that church and and be the pastor." They had a building, they had people, they had equipment, they had all this stuff. We had a zero, nothing. And I, we were like, "Oh Lord." And, and Deb said to me one day, well, well if, if, you, if you could do what you wanted to do and you knew it wouldn't fail, what would you do? And I was like, but I would plant a church. She goes, well, there's your answer. That, that the boat you don't want to get out of is the safety and security of just going to a church that's already started, already successful. You can just take it over. But that's not what God's did for us because he stirred up in us a vision for a worshiping, spirit-filled church unlike any other church in this part of the community. And that meant we had to start it. And, and I'll never forget this. this. I wasn't planning on saying this, but seeing Pastor Olin made me think about it because one of the first things we did was we called them and said, hey, help. We've had, that's, that's, normally our, that's normally our conversations begin with me saying, help. And and, and uh, they help a lot of people. They they are parents to us, and so many spiritual children they have. And um, they invited us and took us. I don't know if y'all remember. They took us out to Mineral Wells, and we went to church with all out there. Pastor Olin was preaching. I, I remember this sermon and that he preached on. Uh, but he invited us to um, an AOI pastors retreat. That's our pastors network. It's called Revive now. And I and I have been reading and studying about planning a church, and I came across this quote by this church planning expert. He's the leading guy. And he said, this is for young men. If you're over 45, do not do it. (laughs) I was 46. (laughs) And I was like, oh, Lord, what do I do now? This guy's the expert. Here I go. I'm setting myself up to fail again. We were out there, and one night they had ministry and prayer after the service. Forgot what we call that little room over there. We love to be in out there at uh, at the camp in East Texas, and it was a great meeting room. But Pastor Olin was praying over me. He, I had not shared with this him this. He had no clue. He was just praying over me, praying, praying, praying. And then he stops. He looks at me and says, "Joe, you're not too old." And he went back to praying over me. <laughs> he probably doesn't even remember it, but me, that was a life changing, a life altering thing. Because I had all these fears, 
And I had to get out of the boat, let go of the bar. And here we are today. Here we are today. That's my third point. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. Because, look, transition like this can be a fearful time, but Jesus wants to reassure us, reassure us of who he is so we can face our fears. Moses had to face his fears when he faced Pharaoh. David had to defeat his fears before he defeated Goliath. Faith always involves risk. And sometimes you just have to go ahead and do it afraid. And Jesus is looking for believers who will follow him no matter what. Listen, just taking risks for the sake of taking risks is, is not a good thing. But actually... What feels like taking a risk, if, it's, if you're obeying the word of the Lord, it's really not a risk at all. Actually, the real risk is staying in the boat when Jesus calls you out of the boat. So that's my fourth point. Don't get out of that boat until Jesus calls you out. Some people get out of a boat before Jesus called them out and they, they end up uh, drowning spiritually. Listen, there's a difference between faith and presumption. And the difference is hearing from God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen, Peter was not charged of the walking on water. Jesus was. And as far as we know, Peter never walked on water again. He only did it when Jesus said, get out of the boat. And if he did, otherwise it would be presumption. Presumption is when we don't see God, but instead we make our own decisions without God about where we live and who we marry, where, where we work, what church we attend, how we spend our money, if we tithe or not, if we go to church, if we pray or read our Bible. All those things will not, those things will not succeed or be blessed apart from God if we're just doing our own will and not seeking the will of the God. We can go without God, but the result will always be defeat. That happened to the children of Israel in Numbers 14. They disobeyed God, and they got defeated in a battle. So then they turned around and said, well, we're just going to, all right, well, all right, we got defeated because we're just going to go out and fight another enemy. And Moses told them, here's what they said, we'll go to the place the Lord promised. They're talking about the promised land. And Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. They only went they're supposed to only move when the cloud and the fire moved. They, they, they didn't move on their own. The Lord had not moved. He, Mo, Moses said, you'll be defeated by your enemies because you've turned away from the Lord. He'll not be with you and you will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went toward the high hill country, though neither Moses nor the ark of the Lord's covenant moved from the camp. Then the Amalekites and Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and attacked them and beat them. In presumption, the children of Israel tried to fight a battle without the Lord's command, without the Lord's presence, without the Lord's power, and it resulted in them being defeated. And if you go out on your own, doing your own thing, without a word from God, without the counsel of God, without the wisdom of God, without the presence of God, without the power of God, you two will be defeated. Presumption is taking something for granted without seeking God. The Bible warns us against this in James 4. Listen, those who say today or tomorrow will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What's your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Presumption assumes that my will is God's will. But we should only get out of the boat at the command 
of God. At number five, once you're out of the boat, keep your focus on Jesus. <laughs> when Peter got out of that boat, he walked on water for a while, but then he took his eyes off Jesus and he sank. If you're going to walk on water, if that means get out of the boat and step into places you've never been, totally trusting God uh, in a new situation, you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus or you too will sink. You can't let storms or winds or waves or anything that come against you hold you back. If you're going to walk on water, you've got to be willing to get your feet wet. You see, when it was time for the children of Israel to go into the promised land, God told the priests at the front who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant in Joshua 3, as he told them this, As soon as the priests who carried the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp across the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage during all the harvest. Have you ever noticed that sometimes God asks you to do things at what seems to be the worst possible moment? I've been to the Jordan River. They took us there. First time I saw it, I'm like, that's it. We were up north of, up, up north there, and, uh, and it's like, I don't know, it wasn't much wider than these two poles were wide at, the, at that time of the year. But when it floods... It's very wide. And so this was flood time. And that's when God wanted to cross them. And sometimes God's moved you out in a time like, man, can we wait till this thing dries out? Can we wait till things calm down? But he sometimes wants you to cross a river during flood stage. So as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. The priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground. It was dry, instantly dry. In the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed over. The point is that, that sometimes God's going to cause you to step into a flooded river before the waters part. And, and, and I don't know why God does it that way, but sometimes you just got to step in in faith. You got to get your feet wet, and you got to believe that when you keep walking, that there's going to be dry ground to meet you somehow, some way in the middle of that flood. They had to step into the water first. Peter had to get out of the boat before he walked on water. Do you have the faith to get your feet wet to step into a river at flood stage. Can you believe that when you step out, God will follow, his presence will be there, signs will follow you, or do you wait to see the miracle? Then you'll follow. Lord, I want it to be like, I want it to be like when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. Moses held up the, 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 the staff and, and, and the, the waters parted, and then they went through on dry ground. Can you part the waters first? And God says, no, I'm not doing it that way this time. You've got to step in first. Most of the time, you've got to step in first. Listen to me. I'm trying to help you today. Most of the time, those first few steps are going to be like, I'm not so sure about this. But hear the word of the Lord. Miracles follow faith. Miracles follow faith. How do you know when, you step, when to step out in faith? Listen, I'm going to give you two keys to stepping out in faith. One will surprise you. One will surprise you. The first key is love. Almost every time Jesus healed somebody or did a miracle, he was first moved with compassion. Matthew 14, 14 says, When Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed the sick. Jesus was moved by compassion. Love moved him to action. True love always acts. Always. 
And when you are moved, when something rises up within you, going out to some other person, it's God moving in you to tell you that he wants to move through you. And that's the time for you to let go of the bar and get get out of the boat and believe that God is going to catch you and minister through you. But uh, you, you are moved with the love of God. But here's the second thing that, that, that is true about, about when to move out in faith. The second key, fear. Now, you might wonder how fear plays a role in this. Here's how it is. Whenever God wants to move us with compassion, Satan wants to stop us from moving. And what he tries to use is fear. He tries to, to because faith always involves risk, so he, he always tries, starts whispering in your ear, if you step out in faith, you're going to fail. Joe, you do this again, it's going to fail just like the other time. People are going to think you're crazy. Who do you think you are anyway? This is not going to work. You, you, it's going to mess up. You're going to fall. You're going to make a mess of this. That's Satan coming in with fear to try to paralyze you, to try to keep you hanging onto that bar, to try to keep you from getting out of the boat. It's one of his biggest tools. He uses fear to try to keep us from stepping out in faith. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of loss. What I want to tell you today is that fear is not usually an indicator to turn back. It's a sign that you should press forward. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But do you know the context of that verse? What's the verse that comes before it? In 2 Timothy 1.6, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Paul's saying, Timothy, you got a gift. I, God imparted a gift to you at your presbytery at the laying on of hands. You have a gift, but hey, you got to stir that thing up. And fear is the thing that causes you to keep it not stirred up. So he says, look, God's not giving you spirit of fear. He's giving you power, love, a sound mind. You've got a gift. Step out in faith. My point is this. Fear tries to move in when we begin to move out in faith, but we've got to overcome that fear. 1 John 4.18 says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love can Cast out fear. Our love for God must be stronger than our love, than our fear. And we've got to be moved by love, not stopped by fear. And when you choose to be moved by compassion rather, uh, rather than stopped by fear, you'll see the power of God move on your behalf. Don't wait for the fear to go away. Overcome fear with faith. Step into the river. Watch the waters part. Get out of the boat. Walk on water. Let go of the bar and God will catch you. And you might think, oh, but Pastor Joe, you don't know how bad my situation is. You don't know how big my problems are. Maybe not, but this I do know, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're like Peter. All of a sudden, you're looking at, the, I don't know how he looked at wind. Well, he saw the, the result of wind. You see the waves that are blowing and, and, and rising. And, 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 and listen to this. I know God is bigger than your problem. I know that no matter how bad it gets, God is always good. No storm, no wave, no wind, no devil in hell is a match for our Lord God. I'm sure David faced fear. I'm sure Joseph faced fear when his brothers threw him into that pit and threw him in, and he was thrown into prison. But listen, you might be in a pit right now. You might be in a prison right now. But like Joseph, you can say one day, the enemy meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. God has strategically placed you where you are to meet the needs of people around you. You just got to trust God. You got to step out in faith. And God promised that signs and wonders will follow you. And miracles can be a part of your everyday 
everyday life because lastly, walking on water will increase your faith in God. When Peter walked on the water and Jesus calmed the storm, they had an enlarged revelation of Jesus Christ. They said, truly, you are the Son of God. And they worshiped him. Listen, there's times in all of our lives when storms rise, when waves tend to be crashing, when we think we're going to sink, and at those times we've got to choose fear or faith. One cancels the other out. We've got to exercise faith in the face of fear. If we give in to fear, it will take over our lives. And the reason many people choose fear is because they have such a small view of God. We need to be like these disciples to get a bigger revelation of who God is. God's way bigger than we normally think. For instance, if you ever say, uh, even God can't handle this problem, hey, your God's too small. Because in reality, he is all-powerful and nothing is too difficult for him. If you, don't, if you live under guilt and condemnation, your God is too small. Because the truth is, God forgives all sin. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you live in fear, your God is too small. Because the truth is that God is love and perfect love casts out all fear. If you can't let go of the bar you're holding on, your God is too small. Because the Bible says God is our refuge and underneath us are the everlasting arms. When you let go, listen, God will catch you. And if you don't worship God in freedom with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your God is too small because the truth is God is worthy of all praise at all times all times. He is always good. He's always right. He's always just. He's always uh, perfect in all his ways, perfect in all his decisions. Everything about him is good, and he is always worthy of praise. In fact, he's worthy of some praise right now. If you would get up on your feet and begin to thank him and begin to praise him with your mouth, come on, say it out loud. Don't worry about anybody else. Thank him for what he's done for you. Thank you. Thank him. Thank him. Thank you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for you are good and your goodness is forever. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your call. Lord, I'm praying right now for every single person who hears this message, either now or online or in the future. Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would speak to them. God, that you would reveal yourself to them. God, that they would have a greater revelation of who you are and they would begin to worship you. And out of that presence and spending time in your presence, they begin to hear your voice and to hear your call. God, get us out of any boat we're in, that, God, that we're, and, and, and any bar we're hanging on to that you want us to let go of. God, I bind fear in the name of Jesus, and I just pray that you would release faith, a gift of faith, a gift of faith, Lord, into every single person that you're calling out of a boat. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm going to ask our prayer team to be down front. If you need prayer today, we want to pray for you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, listen, you need him. He took your place. He, he took your sin. He died for you so you could have a new life. You could have a clean slate today. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need the power of God because without that, you cannot do any of this. Maybe you've got a problem. Maybe you're, you're in a boat you know I need to get out of and you want somebody to pray with you. Maybe you need to pray for a sickness or a job or something else or pray for someone else or maybe you want to come down here and pray. Whatever it is, seek God. There's power in agreement. There is power in the prayer of agreement. 
We're going to sing one more song. Remember, we're starting back up this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, right here with our small groups. Hope you can be here. Love you so much. Let's sing.